34th annual Freedom Realm. We've witnessed a very subtle and insidious process unfold over recent decades that has brought us to where we find ourselves as a nation. I fear that we're unwittingly surrendering our freedom. It's a, it's a process, you know. And the devil is very patient. He's, he's willing to let this process play out. Today, as part of that 34th annual Freedom Rally, allow me to give you some highlights, if you will, perhaps lowlights is a better word, of the weakening of our nation, which indisputably began with a biblical foundation. Not everyone was a Christian, mind you, but the foundation upon which they built this country was without question biblical. Here are a few of the events that have precipitated the free fall from where we once were to where we find ourselves today. Number one, it all starts, it all started with the attempt to remove God from the equation. The, the founding fathers would be dumbfounded. The, the founding fathers would roll over in their graves. It was, a, it was the great military general and our first president, George Washington, who said, religion and morality are the essential pillars of society. John Adams, statesman, attorney, diplomat, writer, and founding father, who served as the second president, of the United States said this. Now, now hear these quotes. The Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone of human government upon what? Upon the first precepts of Christianity. Noah Webster, the textbook pioneer, political writer, and the man known as the father of American scholarship and education, which is one of my nicknames, by the way, <laughs> said... No truth is more evident to my mind than that the Christian religion must be the basis of any government intended to secure the rights and privileges of a free people. Patrick Henry, I call him Pat, we have a good vibe going, great attorney, orator, ratifier of the U.S. Constitution and Virginia's first governor said it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. The Founding Fathers understood full well that the basis of the Constitution, the courts, the entirety of government, and in fact the future of the United States of America was rooted in biblical principles. That led to 200 years of prosperity. But prosperity in and of itself does not always serve us well. Somehow over time we've forgotten our need of God. We're in the process of squeezing God out. We just don't need Him anymore. Or so we think. The removal of God began with philosophical arguments and concepts presented down through the years. 
but eventually manifested itself in things like the Scopes Monkey Trial, which was the state of Tennessee versus John Thomas Scopes. This was a highly publicized court case back in 1925, in which a substitute high school teacher purposely incriminated himself for the purpose of bringing the case to the forefront by teaching evolution in public school, which was illegal then. For the first time, really, we were questioning our origin. And for the first time, we began to doubt God. Fast forward to 1962, we removed prayer from the public school in a landmark court decision. More recently, we've lost battles involving the removal of the Ten Commandments from the public square. We are effectively eradicating God from society. And then, again, we're talking about this process that has brought us to where we are now. The first one was uh, eradicating God from society, taking God out of the equation. The second part of that is, is postmodernism. And postmodernism piled on and exacerbated the process by changing the way we think. For example, to the postmodern mind, there are no absolutes. Everything is relative. It's all situational ethics. And, and this creeps into our mindset as well. Make no mistake about that. Even, even most Christians, if you take a survey, even most Christians believe there are times it's acceptable to lie. Many people who are against abortion would be in favor of abortion in certain circumstances. It's all relative to the situation. We've lost the absolutes. And the problem with that is, left to ourselves, everyone's line of demarcation is in a different place. And eventually, there is no line. And anything goes. This leads to the next logical step, the demise of truth. People now use the oxymoronic term, your truth, which is self-contradicting according to the definition of truth. In reality, which is something we're short of these days, reality, truth is indifferent to opinion. Truth is indifferent to passion. Truth is indifferent to preference. Two plus two equals four regardless of your opinion, no matter how it makes you feel or the results of taking a vote on it. Amen. But contemporary Postmodern thinking says truth can vary from person to person. The natural progression from there, having lost the guideposts of absolutes and having dismantled the concept of truth, is the emphasis of feeling over principle. One characteristic of a society where feeling rules principle, is if truth makes you uncomfortable, there are people out there who will prevent you from hurting anyone's feelings. The result is censorship, which is on the rise, and political correctness, which is absolutely nuts. And that's exactly where we find ourselves in 2019. Another example 
of feeling ruling the roost is the attitude, the mindset that if it feels good, do it. I, I have actually heard people, real people, mind you, counsel other people in the midst of grievous sin by saying, well, you have to do what makes you happy. Meanwhile, the Bible tells us something very different. Proverbs says the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. And he that keeps his way preserves his soul. Society has blurred what's evil and what's good. It used to be, it used to be so simple. But when you take away the absolutes and when you undermine truth and when you've discounted the Bible as the Word of God, there's no longer any way of discerning the highway of the upright. Evil is good and good is evil. We need to be aware, church, that there's an enemy who is driven to eradicate God from society. And we need to realize postmodernism has changed the way we think. These are among the events and the philosophies that shape the world that we live in. In reality, there are absolutes. Some things are just wrong. Now, other things are, are not wrong in and of themselves. But they may not be good for you. And, and here's where it can get tricky. Especially without God. Especially without absolutes. Especially without truth or any form of Christian influence. Thankfully, hopefully, we still have that. But here are a couple in interesting verses. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient or beneficial or profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. In other words, all things may be permissible in some sense, but not everything is good for me. Now, you have to understand that this verse is a reference to the gray areas. Okay? Obviously, things for, forbidden in Scripture are not lawful. But all things not specifically mentioned are legal. There's a similar verse found in 1 Corinthians 10. It says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things don't necessarily edify. In other words, not everything builds us up, not everything improves us, not everything has a positive effect on us or those around us. Let me give you an example. The Bible does not say, thou shalt not smoke cigarettes. Okay, if anybody has that verse, let me know. It's a gray area, okay? And no one would say, that if you're a born-again Christian and you smoke, you're going to hell. I honestly, I honestly don't know anyone that thinks that way. So why don't more Christians smoke if it's lawful or legal for me to do so? Most Christians don't smoke because we recognize our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, according to 1 Corinthians 6.19. We recognize that even if it's permissible, it's not good for us. 
Smoking is not being a good steward of the body that we've been entrusted with by God. And it's certainly not a good use of our finances. Tell me I'm wrong that a carton of cigarettes costs $90. Can that be? It may be lawful, it may be legal, but it's definitely not beneficial and it certainly ain't profitable. All things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. The devil has used twisted philosophies to lead us down a twisted road. And it's a path that proclaims freedom. You're free to smoke. But we're marching unwittingly into bondage. This is exactly how the enemy intends it in a hundred other areas beyond smoking. He wants to bring us into captivity. That's why when someone asserts that they can be a Christian and drink alcohol, I always wonder, why? Why would you want to do this? The Bible condemns drunkenness but not specifically alcohol. So one glass of wine is not technically unlawful, but is it wise? Does it edify? Is it a good example to set for others? It's fascinating to me, it's interesting to me, that no one in the treatment center planned on being there. No one planned out their life and said, you know, I I think I'll move into the recovery center at 45. No one planned to lose their job. No one uh, wanted to watch their marriage crumble or live a life of brokenness. And yet, alcohol has a way of taking you there. Maybe you don't have an addictive personality, but others around you may. People who look up to you, people who value your opinions, maybe, and maybe more vulnerable than you. At what point do we defer to them? Gambling is another example. Is it lawful to go to the casino? Is it legal? Is it permissible? Does everyone who buys a lottery ticket go directly to hell? Don't collect $200? (laughs) No one would say yes to that question. And yet, we're wise to remember what 1 Corinthians 6.12 says. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And keep in mind that the devil knows all the tricks of the trade. He knows how to bring us under the power of substances and behaviors and activities. I'm so thankful for Celebrate Recovery. It's in its 14th year here at Central Assembly. Corrine Anton and her team, Wendy and Lenny and Cindy and, and, and Debbie and John, a host of others have done a remarkable job of sustaining it and keeping it viable over the years. Next year, the big 15th year anniversary celebration of Celebrate Recovery here at Central Assembly. CR is all about freedom. It's all about the power of freedom. Celebrate Recovery helps people do battle with the hurts, habits, and hang-ups of the world we live in. You see, it's much more than substance addiction issues. 
There are all kinds of ways the enemy brings us into bondage. The devil knows exactly what works. He's like your, he's like your grandpa who goes fishing with the big tackle box that's got hundreds of lures and baits in it. He always uses the same few. He knows the ones that work. He knows the lures that have a long track record of success. Nicotine, alcohol, drugs, pornography, unforgiveness, gambling, codependency. Are, are these things illegal? The reality is most of them are lawful. Most of them are permissible. But keep in mind, the enemy has a plan. He dangles the shiny object in the water until the soon-to-be victim can resist no longer. And when the fish lunges at the bait, the hook is quickly set. Moses was a Hebrew raised in the house of Pharaoh. Remember, they put him as a baby. They put him in a basket. They were killing all the babies. The more things change, the more they stay the same. They were killing all the babies. And so to protect the baby, they put Moses in a basket and pushed him out into the bulrushes. Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe, found this beautiful baby, and, and, and took him as her own, raised him in the palace, raised him in the house of Pharaoh. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The addict didn't see the heartache residing in his future when he began to dabble in drugs. The 16-year-old party animal didn't realize he'd be a 45-year-old drunk. No one in the recovery center envisioned themselves there when they began their journey into addiction. Moses was smart enough to realize the benefits of sin are short-lived. Moses grasped the concept that sin offered only passing pleasure. Moses knew the easy way wasn't the right way. Moses understood sin was fleeting and that would inevitably leave pain in its wake. Moses knew the devil always gives you, church, the best up front. Sin has an appeal. It cannot be denied. But it's important to remember you're getting the best up front. The affair seems right in the moment, but divorce and broken lives are the aftermath. Gambling is a rush, but the uncontrollable plunge to the bottom is nowhere near as fun. There's a pleasure in sin for a season, but it always comes due. The hook goes in easier than it comes out. We all want to make a difference in life, but we can't if we're in bondage. And the enemy knows this all too well. He knows the power of freedom is really the power to help others. That's why, this is what Ron and October have discovered. 
They were once in in bondage. At one time, they were powerless to help anyone. They were stuck in jail. They were lost in addiction. They were bound by sin. The day they were delivered is the day they experienced the true power of freedom. The day they were set free is the day they began to walk in the power to serve. The day they were set free began a new journey for Ron in October. Now they serve and empower others. Now they share their story to connect others with God's story. Now they can experience the true power of freedom, which is not to be served, but to serve. Ron and October know what freedom really is. It's not the freedom to sin. It's the freedom from sin. Grace Place and now Grace Place too take in women with all kinds of struggles from addiction to poverty to homelessness. October has helped these gals experience the power of freedom. Meanwhile, Ron labors in a ministry that we value so much, the ministry of Celebrate Recovery at the River Church. And there he helps people with all kinds of hurts, habits, and hang-ups to discover and experience the power of freedom. Initially, we think the ability or the capacity to sin is freedom. But we soon discover what it says in John 8, 34. Whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. We're duped into thinking that we're free to do so. Soon it becomes the bondage that imprisons us. And the hook goes in easier than it comes out. It's a grand and glorious day when we discover true freedom. Not the freedom to sin, the freedom from sin. The freedom from bondage, the freedom from the servitude that is all part of our contract with the devil. The devil, you see, has an ulterior motive. He wants to see you and your family in bondage. And it all comes back to the insidious process that we talked about in the beginning. You see, God has all kinds of markers in the road. They were like, they're like warning signs, all designed to keep us from pain. One by one, we've removed them. All things are lawful unto me, the Bible says, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful to me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. It all comes down to this. The devil does not want you to be free. The devil does not want you to be free. God wants you to experience the power of freedom. Jesus didn't bleed and die so that you could stay in your sin. He bled and died so that you could be free from your sin and experience then the power of freedom. We're going to have some worship time at the end. We've got a few minutes left. I'll watch the clock for you. I would like to invite you to not only worship, but to come and be prayed for. Ron and October are going to come down and pray. We have some other folks that are designated prayers that are coming to pray as well. And as the worship team begins to play, what my heart's desire would be that you would come and be prayed for. And listen, here's, here's the deal. It's all about freedom, right? And you can be prayed for for anything. You can be prayed for for physical needs, you know, healing, uh, anything that, that you need prayer for, come for that. But let me bring up some other things here. 
you know, I used smoking as an example. And I, I really believe what I said there. If you smoke, I don't think because you smoke you're going to hell. I honestly don't. But I know this, it holds you back. Right? If you're honest, it holds you back. You're, you're hiding it from people, perhaps. That seems unhealthy to me. Um, you know it's not good for you. There's all the commercials. We just know too much. You don't really want to smoke. I don't know that there's too many people that, you know, if we had a room full of smokers, we'd say, how many people really want to keep smoking? Yeah, that's me. We want to be free, right? I think so. I, I'm not trying to condemn you. That's not my purpose. I want you to be free. There's a thousand other things that we're in bondage to. Come and be prayed for. Don't settle. Don't settle that that's the way it's got to be or the way it's going to be. Fight for your freedom. Tell the devil enough of this garbage. And then stay in the fight. If you stumble again, get up again and dust yourself off. Bring somebody into the fight with you. Say, will you pray for me? Will you help me? I'm tired of living under the contract of the devil. Tired of him having control in our life. Tired of him holding us back. I want you to experience the power of freedom so you can be set free and you can, and you can serve Jesus without holding back. Does it mean you're perfect? You're in a perfect person in the joint. But let's stay in the fight. Let's not settle. So I'm going to ask our prayers to, to come forward. As the worship team begins to play, come, come. If you want to just come up here and worship and kneel, whatever it is you want to do, let's worship Jesus this morning. Let's discover the freedom that he has for us in Jesus' name. God bless you. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. 